Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on cool. Me too. You're doing great, dude. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. What is up, a go a bubbles? Welcome to Grab Life Big Brutal Authenticity in the GoBro Room. Today we have a special episode for you. I am not interviewing one of the GoBro brothers, but we are actually interviewing the guy who inspired us all. Actually, the guy who introduced me to David Osborne back in 1997 that started this GoBundance movement all together. So we are excited about this and we can't wait. So basically what happened is Timmy Rode, as you know, the third elder who to jump on stage with us basically said, we need to get together with Dr. Fred and we need to create a, an interview with him as to where our ideas and concepts originated. You know, one of my favorite quotes is creativity is the ability to hide the source. And certainly when we get on stage and we're like, yeah, we came up with these technologies, a lot of them derived or were flat out copied from uh, Dr. Fred Gross, who mentored David and I first and then Tim as well and mentored the three of us 20 years ago up until today. And we're still friends. Uh, Matter of fact, I chatted with him all about uh, coming to New Zealand when uh, I just went there with my family. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a brilliant guy. And so anyway, so we have this video recording. Just bear with it. It goes in and out. He's 80 years old, so he, he's not hip on technology, but he went, he leaned in, leaned out, that sort of thing. But uh, it's, it's great, incredible content that you've never heard before. And I would listen to it three or four times. And definitely, and go on Amazon, buy his book, Black Belt of the Mind. Grab blood. Grab life big. Honored here today to have one of the top mentors of not only my life, but Tim's life and Pat's life, the great Dr. Fred Gross, who caught us early in our careers, and he had a great class he taught, which was a mastermind for overachievers, and Dr. Fred changed the course of all of our lives, and I think the teaching he shared with us, we live it, we learn it, and we play it out every single day. So he's not only our, our mentor and teacher from an early day, he's almost like the great uncle that we all wish we had. Dr. Fred, it's such an honor to have you here today, and I'm really, really happy to see you again. Thanks. David, Timmy, I'd like you to say something, and Pat, you say something too. I'm here in Christchurch, New Zealand, even though I look around the corner and I'm speaking with my New York accent. But Tim, I'd like you to say a few words, and then Pat, and then let's kick off. Great. I'd be happy to, Dr. Fred. Well, the, the reason we wanted to have this call for our communities, One Life Fully Live, GoBundance, and all the people we serve is Dr. Fred was our mentor back in the 90s when David, Pat, and I were in the trenches creating better lives for ourselves. And, and he just taught us these incredible core concepts that have had such a uh, big impact on our lives that we wanted to share his teachings with all of you, our community. So here we are with our good friend, Dr. Gross, and the three amigos all in one line. I like it. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Pat, you go. Yes, good to be here. Uh, Dr. Fred is uh, one of my first and most impactful mentors in my life and has altered many decisions that I've made for the better. All my best decisions were uh, as a result of his coaching and his mentorship. So I'm excited to be able to uh, get back with him on this brilliant day here and, uh, and relearn a lot of stuff. 
Okay, I'm sure you know it all, but I'll just tap it. Ladies and gents, I'm going to start teaching just for a few minutes, and I'm going to ask the people who are listening to take out a pencil or something to write with, and I'd like you to imagine this situation. You've been to the physician, to the doctor, and you've been told that you have 180 days to live, that you've, you're feeling fine, you just went for a checkup, but you've gone to the doctor to find out that you have 180 days to live, and the 181st day you're going to die. And my question, and I'm going to give you only one minute in real time to do anything, is I'm going to ask, what would you do with 180 days in very good health, knowing that you would die on the 181st day? You have 60 seconds to write. You have 180 days to live. You die on the 181st day in good health. What do you do with 180 days of life that you have? Time's up. I'd like you to take a few deep breaths as part of Dr. Fred speaking to you from Christchurch, New Zealand. I'm going to ask you just to realize that we're talking to your soul, S-O-U-L. Those of you who know who I am, you know I'm an ordained rabbi. I'm quite a religious person. I'm also a PhD psychologist. And I believe that your soul is your primary life and business partner. So all of my work is to connect you with your inner voices. And from my perspective, that's the religious part of me says, that's the voice of the creator for the non-religious parts. That's the voice of wisdom. That's your long body through the history of your genetics. And I'm speaking to different concepts that your soul can feed to you if you take a few moments to be quiet. One of the concepts that I work with is that everything is inside of you right now. That there's a silly perspective that you look into the world to find out where you're going and what you want. And what I teach is that you go inside to find out where you're going and what you want. So part one, just so you'll get a sense, that your entire past is inside of you from right now, from the time of conception, and for those of you with more advanced consciousness, past lives are inside of you and we can bring them to the surface and you can find out how that works. But if you take a moment just now, take a deep breath, imagine a friend of yours from when you were in primary school, from when you were five to 10 years old, I'd like you to take a moment and imagine one of your friends from when you were five to 10 years old. This is gonna move very quickly. So when you look at your friend, see how you dressed, See where you are. See if you remember their name and their face. Take a deep breath and all of you will be able to. And I want you to realize some of you have gone back 20 or 30 or 40 years in consciousness to your friend. And that's part of your past. Where is it? It's inside you. I would like to point out that your entire future is inside of you as well. And one of the things that we talk about is how to access your future now. And when I talk about the uh, concept that your future is inside of you, it means something like this. If you were to write down goals that you would like to achieve by December 31st, 2020, goals you would like to achieve by December 31st, 2020, I'd like you to spend 30 seconds real time December 31st, 2020, it's roughly 20, 30 months from now. They can be goals of any nature, travel, fitness, spiritual, reading, putting books out on the New York Times, whatever it is. This is just a 60 seconds or less. As I'm speaking, I'd like you to imagine what goals you would like to achieve and if you will be willing to authenticize those goals for December 31, 2020, and make them important so that any goal that you write down 
And from my pursuit unconscious, you have about 10,000 goals this time, 10,000. And I'm asking you to pull out some goals between now and then, and then write them down, and then commit yourself to achieving them. And in that way, you create your future. So when I speak to my small puppies, people who just live by the seat of their pants, I say, what will happen in 2020? They say, I don't know. I have to wait to see what happens. I don't believe that. I believe what happens in 2020 is what I plan and what I work on and what I focus on and what my goals are and who I surround myself with, what my passions are and what my destiny path is. And my job is to create my future by pulling it from my consciousness and implementing it. Very simple. So the core belief that we're working on, and we're moving very quickly, is that one, your entire past is inside of you. You can call it your unconscious. You can call it the voice of God, depending on how religious you are, up to you. But your entire future is there if you're willing to go inside, pull out goals, potentize them, and then figure out which behaviors which will help you implement them. Which behaviors mean that you have, and this is a second major concept, you have control over certain things. And for me, my life is spent around focusing on what I can control and what I can imagine, excuse me, and what I can implement or influence. Sorry, that was a slip. So what happens very often is people take life as it comes. That's absurd. It's in the raw. If I take it as it comes, then it won't be my life. It'll be just the raw material that comes at me. So I believe that you can't control the stock market. You can't control the weather. You can't control aging. You can't control your health at times. Yes, you cannot. But you can influence what does influence mean? Well, if it's raining, you can control the weather by using an umbrella and using a warm coat. You can't control the stock market, but you can control your wealth creation through dollar productive behavior. So you can spend time working on that which creates wealth for you, whether it be real estate, finance, or however you do that, we can teach you those things. But I'm asking you to focus on that which is important to you. So now what happens is if you were to take the, this will go quickly, if you were to take the audacity to write a time log and write down 24 hours a day, half hour implements for two weeks, 24 hours a day, okay, half hour implements of what you do, you will have a snapshot of your life. So you just write down as life goes by what you did. And then we can go back after two weeks and look at a snapshot of your life. And that's in the raw. What we do with this work, and I'm just going to finish here. This is control. I would like you to take a Monday that you wrote down of your life just as it uh, emerged from you interacting with life itself. And then create what we call an ideal day. An ideal day, and I would hope that each person listening would have an ideal day every day they're on the planet until they die, including the 180 days before they croak. So I'd love you to know that an ideal day, and you can get forms from my office, they're all free, that would say, what is the goal for today? What are my behaviors for today? What are some of the less important things getting in the oil change in my car? What are the dollar productive things? And actually take 24 hours as a jewel of every day you're alive and plan it so that it achieves whatever your goal is. What is your, your goal? Well, you have to figure that out. We can pull that from you. But I'm asking you to do a life on purpose and to take control of your time, your passions, and that which is most important to you. I'm going to pause there. David and boys, any questions or comments? No, sir. That's wonderful training so far. Wonderful teaching. Okay, I, I do. Uh, I do think when you think, talk about 2020 and having clarity and vision for that, I'd love for you to go into that a little bit more. Okay, Dave. For me, I'm sitting here in New Zealand. It's basically a Thursday morning, very early, and every day I plan my day with my ideal day. I can take you through my day Thursday. I don't want to particularly. I've personally, as you perhaps know, I've been either in the hospital for the last nine months, paralyzed or in surgery. So I've had 
uh, I've just had my 80th birthday. And uh, through this last year, nine months, I've been mostly ill. And for the first 79 years, I've never been ill. So it's a strange new learning of how to come to terms with um, what I would call disability. And it's been an amazing experience. Part of my planning for the future is to look into the future and to see which goals I'd like to achieve this year, next year, three years out. So one of the things that Victoria and I do is we have a calendar already written for 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021. And the first things we put in are our adventures and things to look forward to. We've just finished 2018. 2017 is almost gone. And in 2018, we put those things that we're passionate about. So in 2018, we have a trip to Crete, which will be our 14th trip. And all of these have seminars attached. From Crete, where we stay in Alunda Beach and in Heraclio, we go to northern Italy, where we go to the Villa d'Este. And we'll have a seminar in Lake Como. And then we'll spend some time probably in Florence. So in addition to that, in planning this 2018, we work in Cambodia three times a year. So we, part of planning the future is we've adopted a series of children that we put through school, part of our giving back program. And unless we have a sense that we're giving back, usually between 100 and 300,000 a year, but adopting individual families and doing things we've gone through, first put the corporations and the corruption and the stealing, we find we adopting individual families and we go back and visit our families to see how our kids are doing. In addition, we go to Bali every year and do a seminar there. We have one coming up in mid-June. In addition, we'll be in the U.S. for two months from August until October. So the first thing about planning the future is we put the things in that we really look forward to. And looking forward to is a clear concept. When I was paralyzed this year, I had to put together high editing to look forward to to help me get well. One of the gifts I would like to give you is to spend some time, not necessarily now, but meditating on what it is that you look forward to that are spontaneously move you. Everyone is different. I love hot bubble baths, for instance. Nobody has to talk me into it. I love cuddling Victoria. These would be 10s, 25s, 50s, and 100s that are unique to me, my fingerprint. Everyone has their fingerprint to find out what genuinely moves you with. There's no effort involved. I love dark chocolate. Nobody has to talk me into it. We just had an amazing Tankery 10 gin and tonic last night celebrating a recent surgery. So part of it is to find out from your soul what naturally moves you, which would be your 10s, 25s, 50s, 100s, and big rocks, things that you're looking forward to, your 10 out of 10 goals. And in my belief structure, I want you to achieve every single one. I hear a lot of people say, I'm going to do this one big thing, I'm going to South Africa. One, you have 10,000 inside of you. Why would you ignore 9,990? I can't afford it. I'm too busy. I have elephants in my sitting room. That's all nonsense. I would love you to shift your belief that when the creator of the universe presents your destiny to you, either in or in passion, you can tell when you love something. You have a child or a dog or a friend and you love them. You really do. Nobody has to talk you into it. When you have to be talked into, we have a problem. It's called political correctness. So part of what we're dealing with, David, I'm responding to the future, is to find out and make lists of what you're looking forward to. For you in particular, make sure how it impacts the people you love the most. One of the things I do as we plan our 25s, 50s, and 100s is Victoria and I sit down together. And we find out who are the stakeholders who will be influenced. So if I am in America for two months, who loses out? And who do, how do I make up for that? If I, for instance, uh, spend time, we're going to be in Myanmar in 2019, in Burma. And we spend time in Asia, in, um, in, uh, beside Cambodia, we're in Singapore. And the fact is that when I'm away like that, uh, there are people who miss me. And my job is to, in my looking into the future, to deal with the people I love. 
so that they are not left out. Otherwise, I have other things to deal with that are painful for me. Am I answering your question, Dave? Yeah, so Dr. Fred, you told us that a long time ago, the importance of having 10s, 25s, 50s, 100s. And the reason we build the Adventure International Trip at GoBundance is to have that 100 every year, but then also every day to have the bubble bath or the great glass of wine, whatever's in your 10s and your 25s. And that by doing that, in a way, you're giving permission to your soul to have greater abundance. Would you like to touch on that? Because when I, I know when I met you, I always drove the cheapest rent-a-car, and I tried to stay at the cheapest hotel. And then after being coached by you for a number of years, I began to realize the wisdom of treating myself more great, more gently, really, more gracefully, instead of as a serf, more as somebody that's earned the right to have a better life. Maybe you'd like to touch on that some. Okay. I believe that everyone can be wealthy. Money is a, a state of mind. All of you are in industries that attract money unless your poor boy subpersonalities or your early training cancels it out. One of the ways of getting over what I call poor boy, poor boy is where you order the cheapest thing on the menu, where you get the cheapest car. I would really ask you to stop doing that. That's nonsense. It's if you get the nicest car, doesn't mean someone else can't get it. It means that they have to work on their own psyche to allow them to be abundant rather than to be the poor schnook who takes the what's left over. So part one is I would like you to see the world as abundant, that there's no shortage, and your taking doesn't mean other people can't take. They just need to make the decision and learn the skills, which is what we teach and what we do. So part one is I would love you, if you want to break out of the cycle of poor boy running your life, see when it appears. For instance, I would like you to stop traveling any way on airplanes other than business or first class. You can do it with points, you can do it by, uh, in other ways, but as soon as you start making a left turn instead of a right turn, your life will change. Two, for those of this is a homework assignment today for the people who haven't done it yet. For those of you who like jewelry, I would like you to go to New York, to Zurich, to uh, Sydney, if you like, to Chicago, and go into fine jewelry stores and try on diamonds or fine jewels worth a million dollars or more. So I want you, whoever you are, to go to these fine stores, if you like jewelry, and try on some jewelry and to deal with your subpersonality of poor boy, poor girl, when you have the audacity to try not to buy anything, just try it on. And if, God forbid, they bring you something worth 750000 become indignant. You say, I'm not the servant in the household. I own the company. Why would you insult me with this trash? And ask for the million dollars. If you like motor cars, I, this is homework. I want you to go and drive a Bentley. I want you to drive a Rolls. I would like you to drive a Maserati. I'd like you to drive an Aston Martin. Just go. You don't have to spend money. I want you to deal with the subpersonalities that would think this is crazy. And for me, it's not crazy. It's a wonderful afternoon. They'll kiss up to you and just tell them, you know, David Osborne. And after you drive it, take some photos of what you would like in these situations. If you like boats, I would like you to go to the marina and look to buy a 75 to 150 foot boat. Nothing small and dinky. Something that can go around the world. You don't have to spend any money. I want you to have the audacity to do that. And you can say, well, you aren't going to hurt these people's feelings, all these things that the poor person. I want you to be able to see the bubble you're in and realize we can make it go away. You don't have to spend money. The people will kiss up to you. They'll love you. And if you're charming, you might send, sell them a house. If you like airplanes, I would like you to go and look at either buying a jet or a fixed wing. Take your test ride. I want you to act like you deserve it. And what you'll be doing is pushing the boundary of this poor boy, poor girl. And most of us were brought up poor, even if we were brought up rich. The poor could be financial or the poor could be in consciousness. We're not smart enough. We're not tall enough. We're not good-looking enough, we're not fast enough, whatever it is, for some reason we've picked up all of this debris. And by focusing on it, we can take it out. Those are all energy bits of consciousness, all of which we can erase. I mean, I, I've taught you how to do that. You have, Dr. Fred. And what I hear you saying to everyone is not necessarily go buy the jet or buy the boat, but just go be a buyer, walk around on it, get the experience of 
being in the fast car, the best car, wearing the million dollar piece of jewelry so that you can change your consciousness a little yes. bit towards abundance. Yes. yes, which is what you're doing with your trips, what you're doing with a lot of what you're doing, David. I don't know if you realize and articulate it. I'm asking you to push the boundary, but not push it 10%, push it 1,000%. Right. It doesn't take anymore. The boundary is all energy. And so why would you just, for instance, go to a, a fine place and order something less expensive because it's less expensive rather than because you, for whatever, I want you not to order by price, order by desire. Yeah, there are it's painful moments where I'll sometimes go to lunch with somebody incredibly wealthy or a dinner and they take forever trying to find the cheapest thing to eat. It's right. just extremely frustrating. And this is really mooring lines, which is another concept you taught us that we have mooring lines that hold us back. Do you want to touch on the mooring line concept a little bit? Okay. Mooring lines are states of consciousness that stop you from doing things. So sometimes it's beneficial. A mooring line that's beneficial is you go into a bar, you're a bit drunk, and you pick on a guy twice your size and start punching him. Not good. A good mooring line would be for you not to do that. Another mooring line is you're partially drunk after the experience. You get in a car and try to drive home. I would want you to have a mooring line that would say, take a taxi. Okay. So a mooring line, again, are states of consciousness. Some can be beneficial. Most of them were put there by parents, school, church, and other people who didn't make a living. Keep in mind that your schooling, primary, public, and everything, were people who never made a living. When you ask the, influ the wealth levels of the college professors and the people in primary school, all wonderful human beings, they avoided wealth. We're teaching wealth as normal. So I want you to have the jet if you want it. Part of what we're teaching with mooring lines is to find out what is your natural unfolding, i.e. what is your soul or your destiny or your creator want of you, and when you hit the boundary of wherever your habits have taken you, to walk through the boundary and then erase the boundary and then come to the next boundary and erase that. All of those are mooring lines, but they're energetic states of consciousness which I can teach you to erase unless they're what I would call addictions. Addictions are different, uh, drug addictions and stuff. But if they're just habits, like poor boy, uh, I don't deserve it, I'm too busy, whatever reasons you use, rather than inside of me is my destiny, is my purpose, is my talent, is my passion, are huge numbers of things that I would love to engage in, and my job is to do all of them. Mm. So the mooring line is anything that stops you from unfolding the fullness in my terminology, of God's gift of your life to you, the unfolding of your soul to its highest level. Dr. Fred, would you say that there are other kinds of people that spend every dollar they have and then some? Is that also a kind of mooring line? Like that's the kind where they're just blowing every dollar they have? David, you're touching the whole world of the small poppy. The small poppy is somebody who reacts and reacts and reacts. So let's just touch money. With money, the purpose of money is for you to earn it, invest it, and to live off the assets that come from the investment. Many people think they have a salary. That's not money. That's chump change. The salary is for you to buy uh, whatever it is you buy, properties or shares or set up businesses, whatever you do. And that money that comes from that is your wealth level. And I'm asking all of you to be wealthy. If you get wealthy, nobody has to be poor because you're wealthy. They're poor because they're stupid or they're unwilling or they have a belief structure that tells them that it's more righteous to be poor for some weird reason. And it's a defective belief structure. Okay. So part one of this belief structure of poverty or poor boy, we're back to it again, is the taking on beliefs that impair your growth and development. Am I answering you enough, David, or do you need more? No, you're doing great. So the guy that uh, there are some people that pick up every tab and they buy every new toy and they still stay broke. They do the opposite. So you got the poor boy who won't spend a penny. You got people that spend money they don't have, and I, it's still that bad programming, right? It's mooring lines. It's it's it's, it's not being in control of your destiny. Yes, that is true. What would the opposite of be of the guy who picks up the tab? That he might pick up the tab for people he loves. Right. He might buy his wife or the people in his life diamonds. He has money. Rather than go to the bar and want strangers to like them for whatever reason. Not a marketing exercise. And you taught us, 
you taught us also about switching channels, and this could be part of it. So when you're with your loved ones and your family, your channel could be on abundance where you do pick up the tab. But when you're with people that you don't know, you don't need to impress them, so you switch channels. You taught us a lot about being appropriate in the moment, being on the right channel when you're at work, the right channel when you're at home. Could you touch on the different channels of consciousness? Okay. Before you go on that, Dave, does Timmy or does Pat want to say anything? They've been very quiet, very unlike that. Otherwise, I'll jump in. No, I mean, you guys, have, you guys have nailed it. Obviously, mooring lines go to the analogy of a boat that hasn't, that won't ship out to sail. It won't float out in the water because it's tied with a rope, which the mariners call a mooring line. And in order for a mooring line, in order for you to have a boat that ships out to sail, uh, that ships out to sea, uh, you need to cut said mooring line so you can explore. Uh, and and let, me, let me touch on that of, of how I caught it was I used the, the same analogy, but it's kind of like trying to steal second base with your foot still on first base. And think of all of us who want to start a new incarnation, want to do some new project, but, but you won't you know, step out there and lead off and go towards it to make that happen or unhook your mooring line to get your ship out to sea. So those, those are kind of the things that rolled through my head, you know, and, and how I use that concept to help me. Excellent. Let me go back to the question then, channels of consciousness. I believe, and again, this is Fred talking. I'm sitting in Christchurch, New Zealand. I'm basically sitting with a PhD. I was the top student in my seminary for five years. I've been a top student or close to it in many of the academic institutions where I spent 20 years of graduate school. So I'm academically trained and honed. I believe most of the public school systems are designed to make people stupid. That the people who teach them don't know how to make a living. And most of the training beyond reading and writing is like basket weaving and basketball. It doesn't train people for wealth creation, to find their passions, to find their talents, to dedicate themselves to a higher purpose. It teaches them how to do texting and how to scratch their bum. So I'm starting from the perspective that most education is a way of making people stupid, just like drugs, just like alcohol, just like TV, just like internet. And so we start with that. Now we switch to something else called channels of consciousness. I believe, for instance, that one of the beliefs valid is not multitasking. Multitasking is a way of being stupid. The opposite of multitasking is one thing at a time. So I believe, and I've just made my own terms, I've labeled a series of channels of consciousness. Channels of channel 37 are arbitrarily labeled by me is the business channel. When you are in your business channel, your purpose, if you're depending on your business, is to prospect, list, negotiate, sell, put deals together, invest, uh, review your investments, and to create wealth and the things that go with wealth. Channel 22 is home and family. When you're with people who you're not politically correct with, but whom you love and who you're genuinely committed with, either by blood or by passion or by life experience, friends, okay? Channel 25 are mates, things you might do sports or traveling or other activities with. Channel 49 is Jubilee time when you do celebration. We just had Easter and Passover. You can have religious celebrations. You can have baseball celebration. You can have election celebrations. So I believe that I've sort of laid out a series of channels and the art, like in the morning when you get up for your ideal day, is to decide which channel you're on. So if you wake up at tw channel 22, you're at home, and for the next two hours, you might do fitness, prayer, reading, you might listen to music, you might take your dog for a walk, you might do some bicycle riding, whatever it is for that block of two hours of your life, you're on channel 22, you might go have breakfast with your beloved, you may prepare breakfast for the kids, you may do something of physical, whatever you choose, your bicycle. And whatever it is, it would be something you want to do. And then you would move to the next channel. The next channel could be wealth creation from 8 to 10 in the morning. It could be channel 37. It could be working on your next book. It could be calling up your mom and dad. Living or dead, you can go across the boundary. 
And I would love you to get a sense that as I'm speaking to you, I'm talking to you from my state of consciousness, channel 99, which is the one that creates channels. I'm talking and I'm creating that energy. And as I'm speaking to you, I'm asking you to realize that you can create and label, just like you do your computer, any channel. And then the first stage is to know and switch to one to the other and know how to do that. And you do that through visual. So if I want to move to my business channel, I could move basically to what's coming up. I'm getting ready for a seminar in Bali and then another seminar in Cambodia coming up in June. And I can see myself sitting at the Ayana Hotel, which is quite beautiful in downtown Bali. And by putting me there, I can see the seminar of people coming and all of them are business people. One of my people in real estate, um, this is a, an image that just came out of my unconscious. I'm dealing with a fellow called Daniel, who started his real estate business January 15th. And he's averaging $10 million a month in sales. So by March, now we're into April, he's made $40 million in sales. And he's the only salesperson with his wife as secretary. And his goal is $120 million this year. And he's on target. And he's going to be there because he thinks he should be doing better. And one of the things, we're talking about Channel 37 and wealth creation. And we've also encouraged him to get married. So the week before he's coming, he's going to put in a wedding. But I want you to see the wedding is different from $10 million a month of real estate wealth creation as a solo practitioner. Now, channels of consciousness, one is to know they're there. Two is to learn to be in one channel. And if it's contaminated, let's assume you're in your business channel and you're thinking of a sick child or you're you have to get a new car or you have to call your mother. That means your channel is contaminated. So that if you are sitting in business, switch to channel 22. And then what you do is step out of the business setting, go to another nook or cranny, or in our house we have different areas for different channels, for prayer and meditation, for meals, for being together, for doing business. So I'd love you to get a sense of one, being in a challenge channel, cleaning any contamination. So if your mind wanders, that means you've shifted channels. I want you to stay focused like a laser beam. And if you find it's you're had enough, there's a use-by time. Go outside and do something else. Go for a walk, watch a movie, do some exercise, something that you would prefer to do because everything is time-limited. You use up that energy bunch, whatever channel it is. So some people like to, I want people in the prospecting area to make 25 connects a day, 150 a week. I would prefer 400, but I'll accept 150. If you do that, you'll make a lot of money. And the fact is you can't do more than 45 minutes to an hour. When you get to 45 minutes, you start to get twitchy. Could you build in 15 minutes of exercise or work standing up or go cuddle your partner, run around the house, come back and do another 45? And know that each of these focused activities have a use-by date, need a refreshment time, and then a restart. It's like a sorbet or an amuse-bouche in a fine restaurant. Clearing your palate. Am I answering you, Timmy? Yeah, what a beautiful. He's, yeah, go, Tim. Yeah, I, I want to touch on this one because this one was huge. When you guys are in the trenches, think of when you're at work planning your vacation or you're on vacation thinking about work. That's what he's talking about here, you guys. And, and the best, best thing I remember back when I was in the trenches is as soon as I hit the garage door opener, um, I, I went to the family channel and I, and I turned off real estate and literally the garage door was the key to go to the family channel. I'm now home. So these are great concepts, you guys. Beautiful. And they're easy to work. Once you make a decision that they're there, you can say, why would you do this? Well, they work. What does it mean work? Well, if you want to be wealthy, you get wealthy. If you want to have an amazing 10 out of 10 day, you'll have an amazing 10 out of 10 day because you made it that way. How do you not make it that way? By just sort of letting things happen and drift with the current. The world is not your friend. It's just there. And the world is full of evil and full of people with other agendas. And it's none of your business. Your business is to steer through all that garbage and be 10 out of 10 the entire day. And when you're with the people you love on a daily basis, one of my goals is to let Victoria know every day that I love her. It's one of my goals. 
I actually write it down. And if I haven't done that, I feel remiss. Not because I should do that, but because it makes my heart feel good. Why wouldn't I do that? Okay? Amazing. Jump. Okay, jump in, David. The amazing thing about what you teach, Dr. Fred, is that, you know, once you really get the concept of channels, because I think when I first met you, all my channels were polluted with one another. Um, but once you get the concept of channels, you then taught us a lot about dollar productive activity. And when we first met you, Pat and I, we were competing on the number of hours worked in the day. So we would try to work 12, 14 hours. And then you taught us a concept called dollar productive activity, which is really being laser-like focused while you're working. And we discovered that by being on channel 37, all in for the most important things at work, that in four hours, we could do 12 hours worth of work. And then our next competition became how many, you know, how many days off we could take in a year. So that was because of, you want to touch on uh, dollar productive activity? Well, we can. It depends on the industry. Dollar productive activity are the behaviors that make you money, whatever your industry is. So that if you're in real estate, it's prospect, list, negotiate, sell, keep a deal together. Those are the four or five behaviors that make you money. If you keep a time log, which I mentioned where you half hour intervals for two weeks, of 24 hours a day of what you do, you should be able to see between 20 and 40 hours of dollar productive. Everything that's less than your dollar productive value should go to secretaries and delegate out. So that most of my people, without being silly, make a million dollars a year or more. Why? Because they decided that was this seems to be the catch number. They, some of them, are, I have a whole batch of three and four million, five million a year now. This is just earning, current or not counting assets. And when they get into that mode, uh, they can focus and do that, making money, and then they can make a decision to go to lunch and be with their kid or take their kid out to uh, play sport. And then they can, at the end of the day, go back and check their portfolio and move back and forth between channels. So one is the idea that channels are very important and they'll get stronger and clearer as you decontaminate them. So that if your mind, quote, wanders, it means that the channel is contaminated. What do you do at that point? You're going to need a set of skills, they're not hard to learn, where you move to a neutral area and you clear off whatever it is that you were wandering. One, you might have been spending too much time doing the activity. In other words, you used by the energy and you were forcing yourself. I'm asking you, when you use by the energy, know it. So you can actually have a calibration. And when I get to 80% energy, it's time to move on. Even if there's more to do, still, I'm not there anymore. I'll come back and do it later in another wave of energy. Two, and this is very important from my point of view, David, the inner world that I talked about, that everything is inside of you, is very important. Most people give it lip service. I want to give you an example. I had my 80th birthday in Siena, Italy. I had a big week-long event in Siena. And I decided a year before that I didn't like being 80, that 80 was old. I'm ready now for my 81st birthday, but I decided a year before to be 60. Now, this is not for the government or getting through customs. This means that if I, Fred, am 60, I made a lot of money between 60 and 80 last time. I want to do it again. So I spent a good part of my year with the project of reprogramming myself to be 60. I'm now 60 years old inside. So I look at the world as a 60-year-old. My fitness level is I'm getting ready to run another half marathon. I did one at 75 in the old system, but I'll do it again. And I want you to realize that if you could conceptualize what age, you know, I'm going to be 61 in another month. But when I walk around the 60, I'm in my growth area. If I walk around as 80, most of the people are dribbling and drooling and on drugs. And I need you to realize the power of that. It's all inside you and what you can influence the inside you. What is it that you would like? This is an overlay on what's naturally your passion. And one of my natural passions, core beliefs, is to be vigorous to 120. And I can't be vigorous if I have a belief that 80, my old stereotype belief of 80 year old is you start to lose your potency. And I don't feel that way. And so part of what we're dealing with is the ability to inculcate inside you core beliefs until they in fact become you 
And people can say, but you're not 60, you're lying. No, no, I'm telling everyone I've made it from 80 to 60. I actually, people treat me like I'm 60, not like when I was in the hospital recently. I'm an 80-year-old male who's like the other ones looking at television and drugged out of their mind. I was fully making a million dollars a year sitting in the hospital. And I couldn't understand why I was working. I said, because it's who I am. You got it? Tell yeah. me what you're that day. That's big for you. Yeah, that's beautiful, Fred. I mean, you've just got such a clarity of vision at all times in your life, no matter where you are, and, and uh, it's uh, compelling and attractive. Dr. Fred, are you still selling your book at uh, Amazon.com? Yes. So everyone that wants to experience more of this, it's one of my favorite books of all time. I've read it. I've given away bunches of copies. Dr. Fred wrote an incredible book called Black Belt of the Mind, and uh, it's just a great book. So you, everyone should go get it and buy the, buy the new one. Not I see some people selling them used. Don't buy those ones. Buy the new ones. David also has there some CDs there with Howard Brinton, old CDs, but if people are better listening than reading, they can use the CDs. It's not the book, it's, but it's the same concept level. Absolutely. Now, gentlemen, you had asked me some questions. Have I answered the questions, or do you have any other agendas you want us to focus on? We have about 15 minutes. Yeah, let's open it up for questions. Who out there has a question? I won't get them. You're going to have to tell me what they are. Right, and you all are muted, so if you have a question, you should be able to unmute yourself. Dr. Fred, there's a question here from Chris. He asks, what do you do about the guy, meaning himself? He said he has a friend who likes to spend every dollar that he makes for fear of loss, for fear that it's going to all go away. Spend it before you lose it. What do you have to say to that? Realize that this is called a belief structure. Where did he get this belief structure? Along with his other childhood beliefs. I need you, whoever Chris is, to realize that all of his childhood beliefs are obsolete. They probably are from age four to five to six years old, including this belief. So he'll need a belief that all of what he's talking about is rubbish, not mean-spirited rubbish, but nonsense. And he'll have to make a decision if he wants to. The skills are easy to do. It's not hard to do. That I need to change this belief. What is the belief that if I don't spend all my money, it will go away? What are some sample new beliefs? Well, I'm going to take 20 to 40% of what I earn and put it into a wealth fund. And the wealth fund will be protected in some way. And then at a certain point, I'm going to buy assets with it. So all of a sudden, we've changed the belief, if you're willing to do it, immediately by putting money aside to wealth. Two, I would like the voice, and this would be required some help. Either I could do it or one of you chaps could is to the voice that tells him this nonsense should be challenged. This is a childhood voice that says that all the money you have is going to go away and you should say, piss off. And I am now going to become a wealthy person by accumulating 20 to 40% of my gross income before or after tax. You decide in writing in this new program. And every time you come up, voice, I'm going to do an Indian war dance and say, piss off, piss off. I don't want to hear from you anymore. And what will happen is that voice, which is you at age three, four, or five, will get clearer and we can erase that. You may not do that yourself. You may need some help. Wow, that's you're saying that it's a three-year-old voice. It's really a childhood voice that he's hearing that's making him do that, as it is an immature thing to spend every money. I mean, it, it's impulsive. It's like, it's like a three-year-old. That's what they do. They get a dollar and they want to spend it all right away. And it's just the realization of that and speaking to that child. Is that taking, taking his power away, Pat. Taking the power to control your financial interest. Just imagine that David Osborne had a three-year-old running his multi-million dollar business. That's different from the guy who says, every year I go up 10 or 20%. It's a different core belief, all of which are changeable easily by just making the decision, well, what would you like your new belief? And then let's inculcate it. Uh, Derek Buckley has a question here, Fred. Uh, Derek, he says, um, what are the top one or two beliefs, skills, that you would make sure your five-year-old son understands? I would ask you to do yourself first. The, the five-year-old I want him to talk to is inside him. 
So I want this adult child to influence his child by say, watch what I'm doing, son. So that if he wants his child to be kinder, he should be showing that, not talking about it. If he wants him, the kid to be wealthier, he should teach him about money. Most people are illiterate. So I have very wealthy people like yourself and his children are going to inherit millions and they'll piss it off because they have no idea on how to husband and take care of it. So the purpose of the way an adult or an owner of a company or a manager of a company or a leader leads is by doing it first, lead from the front. And every time you try to manipulate and bully the child, it doesn't work unless they're kissing up to you, which means it makes them into a pawn, takes away their personal power. Okay, good. Strong statement. I have a question, Dr. Fred. You touched on something earlier, and, and it brought back memories. You used the term use by date. Please uh, go into that concept and, and what that means to you. Okay. Used by date says that everything has a beginning and an end. Milk has a date on it of which it'll go bad. Relationships have a date. They finish. So people get into partnerships and sometimes they forget to have an exit clause. There's always a used by date because 100 years from now, you're not going to be around. Your car has a used by date. 50 years from now, you probably won't drive the same car. Your house has a used by date. Your street has a use-by date. Your relationships have a use-by date. Your job is to tell when the use-by date has come and then what do you do about that. For instance, if you have an aquarium with fish, the use-by date is a few days if you don't make no oxygen and feed the fish. If you have a relationship, even a marriage relationship, and you don't take care of it 10 out of 10, you'll slowly use up the oxygen in the relationship and the relationship will become polite, politically correct, you'll buy more houses and you'll have distance come between you because you didn't honor the fact that your primary reason to get together, your passion, your joint interest, you're naturally expressing of who you are as a being, you're not growing that. So the idea of use by date is everything around you has a use by date. Your job is to be able to spot when something is using up and deciding if you want to renew it. If you have a, a classic car, you can take it in and for $50,000, you can get it like new. The price may be off. You have to decide if you want to do that or get a new one. If you have a partnership, I need you to know that every partnership has a use by date. Almost nobody allows for that. But I guarantee you 100 years from now that you won't be in partnership. You go back 50 years, 30 years, 20 years, at some point, the, a partnership is used up and it may become polite. You may not make money together or you may have no reason to be together anymore. So understanding internally when something is using up and knowing what to do about it and knowing that when you enter any connection, a car, a thing, a trip, even when I travel, we try to get the right energy. We go to Cambodia. And the first time we went for three days, we were daunted by a third, third world country of corrupt, murderous dictators. And we really had a good time. So we expended it to a week and then to two weeks. And now we find between 14 to 17 days is the perfect time. And then the energy of Cambodia uses up and we come home and it's perfect. If we stay longer, we're sort of hanging in waiting to get on the plane. Am I answering you, Tim? Good stuff. Uh, Tally has a question. She wants to know, how do I build wealth and leave a legacy at the same time? Okay. Um, tell me the name how, of the person. How, how do you create wealth to leave a legacy? Well, let's assume that you're making 100000 a year and it costs you, with you have your numbers, it costs you 80000 to live before taxes. I'm using rough numbers. Yeah, you can then do something with that 20000 to invest. You'll have to learn the art of wealth. First part of wealth is to earn it. Second part of wealth is to protect it from lawsuits, from taxes, from creditors, from other things. The third part of wealth is to grow it. And you need the mastery of how do you take whatever it is, is your excess money beyond your living expenses after tax, and how do you get it to grow and at what percent? And how do you do that preserving principle so that you don't buy junk bonds and lose the principal because you got an extra percent interest. 
And the fourth part of wealth is how do you distribute the wealth to people who know how to appreciate what you have? I believe, listen carefully, that people should not leave any money to children. It tells the children you're useless, helpless, and dysfunctional. And if it wasn't for me, you'd be a slob begging on the street. I want you to teach your kids how to be wealthy to live the life standard you brought them up with. Once you give them stuff, you teach them to be helpless and to learn to beg or to learn to suck up to people who can create wealth because they never learned it. So rather than an allowance, I would rather say, ah, you would like your car, you're 14 years old, let me sit down and teach you how to earn a car. And then teach them. You might give them capital to invest in and go over a share portfolio. You might buy a rental property with them and see if they're willing to manage the rental property, the profits of which will buy their car. You have to decide if you want a useless lout as an heir, or they could, as part of this inheriting, this is the fourth part of wealth, take courses to prove to you that they would be good stewards of wealth. Most people are dysfunctional. And money disappears the next generation. And people think that's normal. I think it's bloody crazy. Wow. Yeah, I heard an interview recently with uh, uh, Shaquille O'Neal has seven kids. And uh, one of his things is uh, no degrees, no cheese. So he tells his kids, you know, you got to get, you know, the top degree before you get a red cent from me. Okay. And he's allowed to do that. It's his money. Right. Now keep in mind, they still don't know how to deal with money with that belief structure. Right, right. Give them money. Listen to the terminology. I will as give you your begging if you kiss up to a professor who never made a living because I don't have any PhD. Right. That's his problem. I want you to hear that. So my reframing for Shaquille, and I like the man, I think he's an amazing talent, would be as I sit down with him, and let me get you tutors to teach you how to create, manage, and grow wealth. There you go. You hear the difference? Right. Now, that's just about wealth. I mean, it doesn't mean they'll be nice people. Part of it would be giving back. That's part of the distribution. Hopefully, they'll be on a, like we do, we give back a certain percentage, like tithing every year. Otherwise, we feel incomplete. So what do you do if they go out there and they fail? What if you say, here's a, here's a class on wealth building, and they go out and buy a real estate agent, uh, real estate uh, property, and it lays an egg, and, you know, they make a bunch of mistakes. You just let them keep going, or? You know the answer to that, Pat. How many times did it take you to get it right? He's still working on that, Dr. Fred. I can just speak from experience over here. So are we all. The key is, are they working it right or they decided it is too hard and they're going to get drunk? As long as you, when you give up and don't stand up is when you've, the game is over. As long as you keep getting up and keep going in the same direction, it's fine with me. Now, they have to be open to tutoring. A lot of people think they're right who are absolutely stupid and wrong. And they're not open to learn from people, i.e. with wealth, who've made money. Don't learn from their heirs who inherited it. I got it. So just let them, let them get their head kicked in, send them back into the game, you know, monitor them, make sure that they're learning and doing it differently the second time, and just send it, keep sending them back in there so they learn. Right, but I take it further. If you have kids that are going through that, take them to Europe, buy them some Brioni and some of the finest clothes. Let, yes, so that they, when they walk around, that's who they are that they're trying to fulfill, rather than to be a little kid trying to please. You want them to know that they're wealthy, they just haven't figured out how to do it themselves yet. Otherwise, they won't have a taste for it. They'll turn right in an airplane. I want you to vomit and have a spasm if you turn right when you go into coach. Okay, guys, we're coming to the end. I'm gonna to have to sign off in a minute. Thank Quick you so much. And I'm off and gone. Tim, Dr. Fred. Yes. You, are, you are a living, you know, master. It's, I, I always read the old philosophy books, Lao Tzu and the different people, and it's just so great to actually have a living, breathing master of wisdom in our lives. And I think we probably don't say it nearly enough, but I know that Pat and Tim and I have learned so much from you, and you've really changed our lives. And, and every day we put into practice the teachings of the great Dr. Fred Gross. So thanks for being generous with your time and sharing it with us today. Truly, we're blessed to know you, and, and we love you. I love you too. Good luck. Guys, I've got to go. 
Now, I really enjoyed this hour of my life. Remember, I'm in Christchurch, New Zealand. The technology is just bloody amazing. Have a wonderful day. Grab life big.